It's Thursday, April 26, 2018. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight I will be joined by Lady Joe Carson, and we will preview the coming Ferrifarian Beltane Festival to be presented at Rivendell in Silverado on the evening of April 28, 2018. Now, as most of us are aware, Ferrifaria was founded in 1967 by the late Frederick Adams and his lady Svetlana. Ferrifaria is America's original goddess-worshipping and nature-nurturing neo-pagan earth religion, presently led by Lady Joe Carson, who will be our guest and will explain the significance and romance of the Beltane Rite. The magic and mysteries of springtime, it is the story of the progress of the goddess through the wheel of the sacred year, when the young goddess Cori and her consort Kuros fall in love, they flirt and announce their engagement. But before the marriage, they need the wisdom and advice, and so women's and men's mysteries are presented. And then everyone dances together to charge a talisman, which they may take home with them. An Avil communion tops off the ceremony. So if you want to hear more about this ancient rite, tune in and we will enlighten you. And, and we remind you to visit Ferriferia's website at periferia.org. And, and that's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot O-R-G. And if you are nearby, try to make it to Rivendell on Saturday evening for the right. Uh, Lady Joe, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello, folks. Oh, good. Uh, now, uh, having having uh, you know having delivered the abstract and, and the sort of generally what the show is all about, uh, you gave me a set of uh, a set of topics that we were going to an outline for a set of topics we were going to discuss, and. Uh, the first item that you had was the magic and the mysteries of springtime, Periferian uh, Beltane uh, at Rivendell. And uh, so uh, would you like me to read this paragraph, or, 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 or would you go ahead and, 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 and present it? Um, well, either way is fine. Uh, why don't I just go ahead and give us a description of just the, the structure of the rite yeah. so that when we talk about sure. the meaning of the rite, people have an understanding of how things fit in. Um, so, okay. of course, I can just dive in if that's all right with you? Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, we will all uh, gather together once um, people have assembled there on the grounds. Um, and as it happens, uh, the grounds of Rivendell have a bridge which crosses a small stream. Um, and there's great symbolism there. So we gather on the um, outside of the grounds, um, on the far side of the bridge, and um, uh, we'll deliver a, a short, you know, just orientation. And um, everybody will get a little rattle, and we will um, sing and uh, make some uh, rhythmic uh, music as we cross the bridge and enter into the magical realm of Rivendell. Um, we'll process on over to the hinge and circle around it, um, establishing ourselves in that uh, wheel of the year that's represented by the hinge. And then, um, in, in short, without describing every detail of the ritual, the first part involves unsealing the astral doors of the temple. We will evoke the surrounding wildlands in particular and invite those spirits to come into our temple. Um, and we will describe the what's called the frames of the world. And, and some of these terms might be unfamiliar to people, but we can get back to those and explain what we mean by that. Um, next, we will evoke 
um, Eros, Hermes, Pan, and Psyche, Aphea, as the guiding spirits of the evening. Um, And Psyche will then magically appear before us and speak to us of courtship and enchantment before fading once more uh, behind her veil. Um, The women will then separate for their women's mysteries, and the men will separate for their mysteries. And um, within the the secret locations of each of the men's and women's mysteries, um, uh, those secrets that are so useful to knowing how to be a good man and a happy and fulfilled uh, man and woman will be revealed um, to the best of our abilities. Um, and uh, the wisdom that people have uh, gathered and has, which has helped them in life will become available for each other and for especially for any young people who are there with us. Um, we will gather again and evoke the spirit of Beltane, um, which is, as folks said, is when Corey and Kuros are celebrating their engagement for us. Um, we will, um, each person will select a particular talisman and mark it as their own. Um, they will be made of stone and people basically, you know, creating marks on the stone. Um, and later they'll take those home after we charge them up by singing and dancing. Um, the last part of our ritual will uh be the celebration of the Abel communion, and we will then free the spirits to leave, close the temple and the astral doors, and uh, retire for a big feast. Um, we usually do an, a bardic circle after our feast, and people can want to tell stories or um, sing songs, make music, tell jokes, whatever. It's all, it's all good, and uh, that's the structure. That's that's what we'll be doing. That's basically the outline of everything we will be doing. Now. Uh... Yeah, the next topic it looks like in your outline here is uh, uh, what does the environment of the right look like? And I think uh, um, you know you've already or already kind of partially described Rivendell. I would like to to mention that uh, that uh, we uh, this earlier this year we had a 70 foot pine tree right at the corner of the Rivendell Acre. Rivendell uh, covers approximately an acre of ground, and right at the uh, at the north, uh, let's see, the northwest corner of, of Rivendell, we had a 70-foot pine tree, and we all loved that 70-foot pine tree. But unfortunately, it died, and it was a fire hazard, and uh, and so it, it, uh, we had to we had to get uh, let it go, and and so what we did. And uh, it's it's particularly nice for, for uh, you know a solution to the problem, is we left eight feet of the stump of the tree, uh, eight feet uh, uh, stump, uh, which which forms an which forms a pillar behind the hinge and behind the royal pavilion, behind the hinge, it, this eight foot pillar rises up, and we put on top of the pillar we put a statue of the goddess. And, and and it's a very uh, it's an archaic statue of the goddess uh, with her arms raised in adoration, and uh, and we managed to light that uh, rather nicely, and uh, um, so that that stat- statue of the goddess will be uh, looking down on the right, and uh, so this this is uh, one of the one of the environmental, and I I. I we put a, a picture, uh, a, a photo of of, uh, of the goddess, uh, a 
uh, lit and, and, and unlit, you know, during daytime and night. And it, it's on the website for those folks that want to go take a look at it in the photo album. Uh, now, you said in, in here in the outline that most of this will take place in the outdoor hands of Rivendell. And for the women's mysteries, will be uh, be set in the red tent area uh, at the beach down by the creek. There will be red veils, cushions, goddess imagery, and general celebration of things feminine. And there the women will share each uh, with each other, and especially with the younger women or girls, about the, the most important things they need to know uh, as they unfold into bloom as women. To be strong and happy women and encourage joyful, lasting relationships and to be eventually be wise women on their own. And the men's mysteries will take place in a more uphill spot decorated to evoke a green man temple with ivory horns, feathers, drinking cups, a green man. I, d I just happen to have a green man, green man uh, bird feeder, which we can use, and plant uh, and animal imagery where the men will discuss the most important things they need to know as, uh, as they become men to encourage joyful, lasting relationships and to eventually be wise men on their own. Now, um, uh, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure where we're gonna where we're gonna have the men's mysteries, but we we certainly in uh, in in Rivendell we, we have we, we we do have some some spots that that, that do match that uh, that description. And then uh, you said, let's talk about the symbolism of Herophorius Beltane. Uh, you want to just, what are the astral doors of the moon and the sun? Do you want to expound on that a little bit? Sure. Um, what's happening here at the beginning is we're going to go out of linear time. So the sun and the moon actually define two different kinds of time. The sun has a 365-day course, um, which they're very familiar with as our calendar year. Um, the moon has a different kind of time. It creates 13 28-day-long months which adds up to a total of 364 days. Um, in order to work that out with the sun and make them work together, Fair Fairy adds a day, which we call the day out of time, and that matches up those two years. The moon, um, as people are aware, rules the tides and women's cycles, you can say poetically. And um, so we're working on the astral plane. We open up these two doors, the sun door and the moon door, and pass beyond them, and the place that we go into is called Clarador, or the pleroma of all that is outside of time and is not subject to time. So we've gone beyond the constraints of time at this point into um, a space that's inclusive of far more than just linear time. And then at the end of the right, we will come back and close those doors, and um, it is re-entering serador, or serial time. So that's the astral doors of the sun and moon. Yeah, very good. Now, uh, uh, next, the next on your outline, you said, "How and why do we evoke the wild lands around us?" And this sounds like uh, like Fred's uh, landscape yoga. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, basically, we call them out by name. Um, you know, we always get hold of a map if we're going to a place that we haven't worked before and literally look and see from the hinge that we're going to be working in um, in what are, you know, what significant wild places are north or northeast or east, you know, and we actually write them down so that when we're in the circle we can call out those particular wildlands by name. So 
as um, an example due north of your hinge poke is Mount Baldy. Um, there's a hot springs to the east of you called Glen Ivy Hot Springs. There's a wildlands refuge directly to the west of you. So we'll call out each of these places by name. And by doing that, we're connecting. We're basically exchanging some consciousness there. Um, Fred described it as putting spirit into the land. We're, um, we're making an exchange. We're inviting the spirits of those lands to join us and be renewed. And um, we also have the idea that these spirits of the land, and this is very common around the world, um, to some degree some human souls actually join various landforms and become guardian spirits of those landforms. So these spirits aren't just abstract sort of gnomic type spirits. They, they could be, especially in their area, they're seen often as being um, human souls who have graduated to that level of being able to be a guardian of a landform or a large area. So when we when we call them in, that's that's why we call them in, and we, we literally just call them in by name, going around in a circle and you know calling them in, we're inviting them to be with us. Yeah. Well, you uh, next you you said why does the ritual always include the Xenothetes and the Nadrides? Now. Frankly, you have me kind of confused there, and and so uh, explain to us what are the Xenothetes and and uh, and the Nadrides, um, and why well, do we always um, indeed? So it's part of the idea that there's a complete magical sphere. In other words, we don't just call north, south, east, and west, and what's around us on a horizontal plane. Um, the nadir and the zenith refer to places like in. In, you might say geo, geographical space. So a zenith is that is which is above us, um, like straight above where you happen to be at the moment, up in the heavens of the stars. That's the zenith, the high point. And the nadir is that um, part of the celestial sphere, which is directly below your feet, going all the way through the earth and out the other side. That's the nadir. And um, to be honest, I, I think I remember Fred pronouncing it zenithides and nadirides, but I could be wrong, <laughs> and it's really hard to tell just looking at it in print. Um, but regardless of how it's pronounced, the idea that is here is that those spaces actually have a presence of their own. It's kind of like saying wherever you are is the center of the universe. So whatever part of the universe is directly above you or directly below you, that also has a spirit of its own. And so we call that in to join us as part of our complete magical sphere. Yeah, that uh, that 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 that's uh, that's. Uh, very uh, uh, evocative of the uh, of the idea that that, that the, uh, uh, the the stars and the planets both emerge from the horizon, and and of course in most most ancient times uh, people thought that they that they uh, they were beneath the earth, uh, you know, uh, before they rose they were beneath the earth, which gave rise to uh, a number of uh, kind of superstitions, and and uh, as I have uh, pointed out several times, uh, every, the the uh, everything below the surface uh, turned out to be uh, turned out to be described above the surface uh, when Heracles pulled uh, pulled the uh, the two-headed dog by the tail up out of out of uh, out of the underworld. That that's when the, the that's when all the stars below the earth <laughs> were honored above the earth, and and uh, um, anyway, I, I, that that so that explains the Xenothetes, the Xenothetes, the, the Xenothetes, and the Naderides. Yeah, okay. Now, 
you have what what is the white wedding stone of earth? Uh you want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. So this is all what we're talking about these particular symbolic terms. This is right at the beginning when we're establishing sacred space, um, you know, setting up our, our, our theater of action, you might say. Um, and the white wedding stone of earth, in an ideal hinge, we will have a large white stone that's kind of flat on top. Um, and if you don't, you maybe you'll have a round one or maybe you just will have some other kind of an altar, and that's fine. But symbolically, we have a uh, flat or rounded stone um, representing the navel of the earth, and it was called an umphalos. I'll say that again, umphalos, because it's an unusual word. Um, they called it that in Greece and especially Delphi, and it was considered to be the navel, you know, the place of birth of the earth. And um, yeah. in Ferraferia, that altar is continuing. It's supposed to be like the site of this continuous marriage between the wild realm. Um, it's also uh, the altar of the four rivers of fairy unto which all worlds Low. Um, it's considered the center of all alignments, such as ley lines and so on, which branch out and connect um, all the different hinges and sacred places around the world. So the the yeah, right, 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 yeah. it's ultimately the center. Yeah, but well, well, before we get ahead of ourselves here, uh, you know, let, let's describe the cosmic mill tree, and then we'll get to the four rivers. Okay. So what's okay. what's the what is the cosmic mill tree? Well, it's the world tree. It's like um, in Norse mythology, it's called Yggdrasil, and um, it connects many worlds. I believe it's nine worlds in the uh, Norse mythology. Um, but there are many, many um, mytho mythological systems around the world that center on the idea that there's this tree at the center of the earth that goes up from the underworld through the middle world and up into the cosmos, into the stars. And it's the axis around which the earth and the heavens also turn. That's what it is. And we call yeah. on it as part of our thing. Uh, this, the, 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 and this is also could be analogous to the uh, to the uh, Kabbalistic tree of life. Uh, Yggdrasil and the tree of life are both uh, are both similar similar in in uh, in uh, some symbolism. Uh, and uh, the uh, uh, there was a cartoon in the paper just uh, a few days ago. Showing a tree that had fallen, uh, that this tree had fallen uh, 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 down, and its roots were exposed, and it had just fallen over. and And the caption was, "Is if a tree falls in in the forest, uh, and there's no one there to hear hear the sound, uh, uh, it, it, it is." Uh, uh, is it doesn't make it doesn't make no sound, and the tree is saying, "I've fallen down and I can't get up." <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, now, what are the four rivers of fairy? Okay, um, so this is a, an image of the Earth's astral body. So, you know, the idea here is that the Earth isn't just a physical, you know, compilation of many kinds of you know ge geological factors. It's it's got a, a consciousness and an astral body, and so on this level of the astral, this, there's this idea that there are channels at the four corners of our white wedding stone, and through these channels outflow these rivers, and the there's certain fairies who pour out the juices of the four rivers of paradise into these rivers. Well, you know, uh, one would a person looking at this uh, uh, from a 
from a biblical perspective, would kind of liken this to the uh, to the uh, to the four rivers in the Bible. Uh, and uh, and also, uh, I'd like to mention along that line that Simon Magus likened this whole analogy uh, to the uh, uh, to, to, to the uh, baby making plumbing inside inside a woman, and and he had quite a uh, had, you know, quite a quite an analogy on that. Um, now, um, what? Wow. What are what are the what are the world frames and the fixed cross? You know, in, in this okay. respect. Um, well, this is all part of the um, ideas that Fred had about that one must become completely intimately familiar with the geography of the place in which you work in order to be effective on multiple levels. You know, you might say magical levels. Um, now, to answer that question probably more simply, the first thing, because it's easier, I'll answer it, is the fixed cross that I answer. And these are the four arms of the cross of Leo and Taurus. I should say Taurus and Leo and Scorpio and Aquarius. So that's an astronomical, astrological call out because these are fixed signs in the zodiac as opposed to the mutable signs, right? Um, and they're associated with uh, having like emotional character is stable as opposed to changeable, right? Um, so there's a cross in the on the sky formed with these four. Um, um, astrological form constellation, and that's the fixed cross. So then, that's like the largest scale, you know. And then maybe going back to the beginning, working within where we start, you're in your magical circle, right? The circle of art. And so then, yeah. that would um, constitute the place that you start. It's your umphalo or the adidum, right? Like that's where you start, and that's where you. Um, begin with understanding where you are. And um, then it goes from there to uh, surrounding places like the walls of your temple or of your um, land or your clearing if you're a druid, you know, in the forest. And then it would go um, further out into, like, um, you know, like the grounds of your temple if you have, you know, a larger set of grounds like that, yeah. you know, whatever the largest ground is. And then you would go much bigger out into what, Fred called giant polygrams deformed to fit the land and sky marks of the topocosm, which extend to the horizon. So at this point, you're considering where are you in relationship to your entire horizon. And then he does the landscape dancing and connecting to the landforms on the horizon to bring those energies into the magical circle um, to set up basically a relationship between the magician um, and everything that's physically around them, the land and the sky. You know, uh, I've been uh, I've been reading uh, uh, Dean Dean Redden's book called Real Magic. Title he opted from our old friend Isaac Bonowitz, but uh, he uh, this guy's a you know a, a, a paranormal phenomenon expert and researcher, and and he's trying to trying to to, to reify. To reify magic, and he finally he finally comes to the conclusion that that young you know the young and Hermes Megastus were right that everything is connected everything everything is connected and we can say that about uh, especially about the, now Fred and I could certainly say that about about mythology that's biblical mythology pagan mythology and and in general it's all all of it 
is is connected, and 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 so much of what of, of what's in the Bible came earlier from from earlier paganism, and 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 then uh, we have we have reconstructed, and a sort of you know sort of in retrospect we have we have recreated. Uh, this 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 cycle in 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 the way we are interpreting uh, nature and and uh, you know and our 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 deified our deified mesocosm. Boy, now that's a that's a that 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 that's a Fred that 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 the mesocosm the psychocosm. How many cosms did Fred have? <laughs> Do you <remember? laughs> Yeah, he he had a cosm. He had a cosm for everything. Many levels of cosms. Uh, now, who are the key deities of this rite? We have Eros, Hermes, Pan, and 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 Psyche, uh, and then then of course then then Corian Kuros. So, you want to talk about uh, talk about uh, Eros, Hermes, Pan, and Psyche, Aphia first? Sure. Um, so, um, Eros, Hermes, Pan is a kind of a conglomerate name, as anybody who's thought about it would know. Uh, three deities, but they are very closely related to each other. Um, Hermes is well known as the messenger god, and um, Pan, of course, is the archetypal god of all wild places. Um, Both of them bring this moving and growing energy of the upwelling wild springtime. And, um, you know, Eros is, of course, the erotic energy. Eros was a a god in the Greek mythology. Um, You know, he, he could disrupt anybody's love life, or anybody's life for that matter, just by bringing love in. And, um, you know, we Pan is like this amazing God. I have, I have to admit, I'm a big fan of Pan. He's always trying to, like, you know, push up what we call weeds and, you know, reclaim our civilization and turn it back into a wild place. And I just, I think that's so great. I'm not a fan of, of, of concrete. Let's just say I'm not a fan of concrete. Um, and so certainly Pan is, you know, he's the perfect god for springtime and for Beltane in particular. Um, pan, pan, and, pan, yo, pan. Absolutely, <laughs> yo, pan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yo, pan. And I, and I think somebody's going to, in Bardic Circle, I think somebody's going to give us a give us a, a, a rendition of that. Uh, Good. Now, what about you? Corey? <laughs> Hold what, on, I didn't what? get Psyche mm-hmm. Fea yet. I still have to talk about Psyche. I, yeah, 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 we got to get Corey. We got to. We can't forget Corey and Kuros. We're not going to forget them. First, let me talk about Psyche uh, Aphea. So Psyche. Oh yeah. Is, okay. Talk about Psyche Aphea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, she's the goddess of the soul, and she was also the wife of Eros. And um, Aphea was a lesser-known goddess because she was only um, really worshipped a lot on the island of Aegea. Agena, sorry. Um, but she was also linked with Brito Marquis and Dina of Crete um, and with Artemis. Uh, she was a virgin goddess. She uh, loved the wild animals and the moon, and she was linked to the growth of crops also. Um, she was way into the wilderness and the races. And so um, linking um, Psyche with Aphea is, but it's kind of saying that Psyche as the wife of Eros and you know, she was famous for this incredible, almost tragic love story with Eros, but eventually she was able to um, undertake tremendous labors imposed upon her by the somewhat jealous Aphrodite, and um, and she succeeded and, and won the sympathy of Aphrodite, so she was allowed to marry uh, Eros, and their, their wedding was, you know, celebrated on Mount Olympus or wherever it is, 
the, the you know where all the gods were. Um, so Psyche Athea, by putting them together, we are saying that there's a goddess of the wild places who is also you know an erotically charged goddess, just as um, Eros Hermes Pan is an erotically charged god, and and this is the god a goddess that we particularly want to honor at Beltane. Yeah, okay. Now, what about Corey and Kuros? What about what about what about our young 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 people who are who are going to uh, get engaged? Well, okay. Would you like to address that? I've done a lot of talking. I was thinking perhaps I know you know the answer to this. Well, uh, I I I uh uh Corey of course is is uh is is uh, the daughter as I recall she's the daughter of of uh of uh, Demeter, uh, Demeter, isn't she, or, or or is she the daughter of Persephone? I forget which. The daughter of Demeter, but you might say she's the same as Persephone. Yeah, yeah, the daughter of the daughter of Demeter, Persephone, and and uh, and of course um, that uh, Persephone is 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 the, uh, the 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 kind of unwilling consort of Hades, and you know who who uh, was sort of. Uh, made a deal, made and made a deal with Hades to stay with him for uh, during the winter, and then and and if if he let her come back up during the during the spring, so we could have spring and summer, and and then she then she goes back down there during the winter, and and uh, I think uh, with her daughter, uh, her daughter is uh, is kind of free of that of that curse, as I recall, but. But the daughter, the daughter is as, as Fred, as Fred imagined, Corey was the maiden savioress. She was a sort of a, uh, she was a, a maiden, uh, young, a young girl uh, who was going to, you know, literally be an avatar of love, and and uh, uh, because in uh, in Fred's vision uh, uh, there was nothing, there was nothing more. More loving and inspiring than than a than a beautiful uh, you know a beautiful teenage girl. Uh, of course, the the, uh, the Christians, especially the Catholics, would would say a beautiful virgin teenage girl. But that uh, uh, in a where we you know the, the definition of the word virgin is up for grabs in a lot of respects because it it really kind of means a it means a a young a young girl and does imply innocence and so there is a certain there is a certain uh uh there's a certain basic love and and uh, and all of the feminine attributes uh in this in this quarry uh, and and she was, and she was in fred's uh, in fred's vision the maiden savioress and uh and uh, so but she has to in order to you know to fulfill to fulfill salvation, she has to have a consort because naturally, uh, you know, the 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 savior or savioress uh, needs a needs uh, needs a consort of the opposite sex to com- to uh, to combine with in order in Valentinian uh, uh, philosophy. Uh, which I suppose is, is also somewhat like Farrah that the soul is not complete and, until until uh, until the male and the female aspects come together. So you could say that uh, 
that that uh, that Corey and Kuros complete uh, complete their their heavenly assignment when they come together in in, in marriage. I don't know whether I'm putting words in Fred's mouth, but uh, but I think that the, he would he would in in principle I think he would agree with that 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 the the hieros gamos uh, between the the Savior's and 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 the saved literally because who is Corey saving? She's saving Kuros, basically, and Kuros represents all men, and Corey, even young as she is, she still represents all women. So uh, uh, this, 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 this is the coming, this is the coming uh, uh, holy rite of the Hieros Gamos. Do you think? Do you think I'm I'm I'm, I'm overstretching this, or does this sound does no, this resonate? I, I like that way you put that, and I think that that's great. Um, I would like to add just um, two more thoughts, or maybe three. Corey, her name etymologically in, includes the idea of caring and of Charis, and Charis was a grain goddess. So she is a grain goddess, and so she's related to the agricultural cycle. However, there's another thing about her, which is that Corey is not just a name of a specific goddess, it's a description of a type of goddess so that when we talk about Aphrodite or Artemis or Persephone, they are all Corys. They are all young maiden goddesses. You know, each has their own characteristics, but they're all Corys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who or what is the spirit of Beltane? Well, um, you might say that Beltane is the unique to spirit unique to springtime spirit that is for us combined in the presence of Aries, Homer, Hermes, Pan, and Psyche of Thea. Um, and we will be evoking their spirits for their blessings, I guess you would say, into our talismans when we dance around the circle and charge up our talismans. So, you know, we're going to do our best to really um, make those talismans feel, you know, bright and vibrant with energy when we take them home. Um, and the spirit of Beltane, the combination spirit of those two deities for evoking. Seraphiria basically evokes different deities during each season of the year. So um, this is where we evoke these particular deities. Well, uh, that leads us right into your next uh, thing. How are we planning on charging up the talismans with the spirit of Beltane? And what do you want people to experience and go home with? Yeah, I guess I, I did get into that a little bit. So um, what I want people to experience is um, joy and ecstasy, right? <laughs> and what I want them to go home with is a talisman that they can carry in their pocket or put on their desk or wherever they're going to be likely to see it on their altar um, that will remind them that they're inviting the positive aspect of Eros and uh, Beltane into their lives, right, with harm to none. I'm not at all interested in evoking it's going to cause any disruption in people's lives in a negative way. But just to bring in those positive qualities of, um, you know, the joy and bubbling freshness that comes with falling in love and feeling attraction, that kind of thing. Well, what are these, what are these little talismans going to look like? Like Sheila McGiggs or what? Uh, what, what, what? What's <laughs> it going to be, the shape, size, or no, what? I've, I've, got, uh, I've got small stones. They're polished. Um, they're little river stones, basically about, um, you know, an inch and a half to an inch and three quarters across. They're varied, you know, they're just different stones. They're not all one kind. And um, people will, um, either if they have a personal symbol that they want to put on them, um, they can do that or they can put their initials. 
um, or a spiral or any other symbol that comes to mind. Basically, they just have to locate the particular stone after we've charged them up. And um, I will have some, uh, you know, golden metallic, like silver and bronze-colored markers that are easy to write on stone with, so people can easily do that. Yeah, now, what is the meaning and the name uh, of the name of the Avil Communion? Um, well, Avil, yeah, literally means Avil apple. Communion. You know, it's what? apple what? in the sense of any kind of fruit of a, from a fruit tree. Avil. And there's, yeah, an apple, apple, is, and the, apple is an apple. An apple yes. is an apple. Hmm, okay. Yes. Uh, well, uh, uh, yeah. It's also. It's and what generic. are you doing? What are you? Yeah. Well, what are you doing? Yeah. So we're gonna. Are you gonna? Are you gonna cut? Uh, uh, are you gonna cut the apple up in 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 uh, in sections or or uh, in in or split it sideways or what? How are you gonna? How are you? How do you plan to do that? Right. Well, we're gonna be actually um, serving uh, slices of fruit to people um, as part of the, the communion ceremony. Um, and the uh, we always want to use, especially fruit from fruit trees, provide um, fruit, food for people without har- any harm to the tree itself. And basically, we can live and get this food from these wonderful apple trees and different kinds of fruit trees without doing them harm. So we don't have any negative feelings about ourselves because we can honor the trees and you know support them, not have to kill them in order to eat them. <laughs> so you know we're not doing any harm to ourselves that way. You see, so. Um, it's good well, for apple seeds are not exactly. apple seeds are not very good to eat anyway because uh, well, that's not the best part of the apple to eat. And and uh, yeah. but uh, but I'm I'm just kind of curious though because there is as as, as you know uh, from uh, from the fifth degree as you know the uh, uh, there is an esoteric aspect uh, to to the apple and uh, right. and yeah and, and which which uh, as I recall. Uh, from Ferrifarian uh, ceremonies, uh, I think I think that was revealed at one time in a Ferrifarian ceremony, and I'm just wondering if this is the time. Uh, right, or not. it's 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 not specifically revealed in the Beltane ritual um, as such. This uh, is a, as, um, and I think a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with that symbol. But it, nonetheless, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it. Oh uh, well, we'll save that for later. We'll save that for later. I did that. Uh, I did it. I gotta admit, I, I did that one time at uh, at uh, Scottish Rite. I, I I did it and 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 showed it to everybody and 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 some young fellow looked at me and he said, "Are you Merlin?" And I said, "No, not yet, but I'm working on it." <laughs> and uh, okay, yeah, okay. What are you doing when you are performing this uh, this Avil Communion? Well, we're um, we're experiencing and appreciating the support that we get um, from all the qualities of the direction, um, as well as, you know, experience of appreciation for the spiritual um, aspects of the direction. So, um, to be more specific, um, in Ferrifaria, we um, evoke, like, the incense and the touching of the stone in the center and the taste of the apple or the fruit and the smell of the incense, the sight of the flame. So, you know, the tinkling of the water, it's like the, the senses. And I say five things in four directions. There's always center, right? So there's five things. So we're evoking and honoring our senses as well as the directions themselves. And um, it's also, it's like an appreciation, you might say, of the beauty of life, right? Because we, at the very end, there's a flower and it's what is the will of the maiden. And, you know, we hold up this flower and then we kiss. And it's like the, the priestess and the priest share a kiss, and it's just like the perfect consistence of the of the maiden 
desire. It's what she wants to have, you know, the experience of human be, which is love and joy and appreciation for the beauty of the paradisal world that we're given. Well, now you have down here, he says, how is it, how is the Avo communion different from the OTA's communion of the elements? And uh, from what you've been describing, I don't see that there's that much difference, but, but tell us, what are, what, what are the differences? All any fruit, as in the OTA's communion elements, it's the salt and the crackers, right? And so there's, you know, we're not like specifically bringing to mind the idea that fruit trees are a way of eating without doing harm, which is very specifically yeah, that's true. And um, there is the idea that you're honoring the earth, it's all the pure mineral substance of the earth, that kind of thing. Um, and I know that it, when we're evoking the elements at the beginning of the Seraphirian ceremony, we'll be lifting up literally a platter with rich humus on it, soil, right? So, yeah, well, you know, well, well, we're kind of, yeah, we're kind of, yeah, we're kind of stuck with this bread thing, and I, I think that that you know, uh, even though we have, we we, uh, as you know, we do a lot with the apple in a later degree, but but uh, we're kind of stuck with this bread thing, but but then at the uh, at the same time, uh, we have we have certainly. Uh, realized the revelation that that, that that this whole bread business is uh, was was uh, <laughs> was, was had, it, it it was something that uh, that was foisted upon us uh, that uh, that we we may we should rethink. So I think I I have to say that I think that I think that a fruit uh, that a fruit sacrament is probably. If not, if not better than bread, it it it, it it's certainly it's certainly equal, uh, and so so I'll agree with you on that. Uh, however, uh, uh, what 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 do we use uh, in the Hanville Communion? You use water rather than uh, rather than uh, than wine, don't you? And of course, we you know right. we use uh, we use mead. Yeah, we use mead. Uh, we use mead in the OTA communion, uh, but yeah. so you use water. But then, but then now, now in the Eleusinian mysteries, as you know, and we and most, I think most everybody listening knows, uh, they had a drink right. that, uh, called Kikion, uh that that was uh, rumored to be, and I say rumored to be because nobody's proved this, that it, that it was some sort of an ergot infusion, which. Which is the uh, which is the uh, the basic the basic uh, fungal uh, fungal element of LSD and, and supposedly this was this kikia. So is the water in the Avo communion supposed to simulate the kikion? I think it's supposed to evoke it. Basically, it does have the sprig of mint in it, which is also true of the kikion. There was a sprig of mint in it. Um, it was crusted mint, which is an interesting term. What does that mean, or crusted barley, stirred with mint? Um, and the crust oh, yeah. on the barley may have been, as you say, um, from the ergot, because that's like, you know, to say, well, why would they bother to say crusted if it didn't have something on it that wasn't, you know, normal, right? Crusted is really, yeah. Yeah. it said that for a reason. And so you may be right. However, I want to point out um, that, you know, how many thousands of people went to this ritual of the Eleusinian Mysteries for like almost 2,000 years we had people, and at the beginning probably it was a few hundred, you know, but by the time it was at its peak, it was several thousand people were attending these rituals. And, you know, year after year after year for 2,000 years, and nobody ever claimed that anybody, like, flipped out or had a psychotic reaction or had any kind of, like, back 
experience, and, and the, the women were there. They, didn't, they weren't having miscarriages. There wasn't any, like, um, you know, children who were, I mean, children went to these rituals, right? And, and the children were not, like, no. they didn't say that it was a bad reaction. So I'm just of the opinion that there's such a volatility to the experience of psychedelics. Yeah. And people respond depending on what yeah. they bring to it in your own mind. And I cannot imagine that that many instances of people ingesting a psychedelic could have happened without there being some report, if it really was a psychedelic, of something going sideways. That's a very good argument, uh, Lady Joe, and I think, and I would go along with that entirely because, uh, as we know, uh, a psychedelic, a psychedelic element uh, strong enough to uh, to give you a. Uh, what we would call a remarkable vision is also strong enough to affect some people very, very well, dangerously. And so, and so obviously, in all, all the years that this was done, nobody, nobody, uh, until Justinian, you know, uh, shut it down. And I don't think he had any particular. He had he had nothing but just heresy as as a reason for shutting it down because he was a fanatical Christian. But anyway, um, uh, that so this gives us an idea of of what we're going to experience uh, Saturday night. And uh, what time do you do you do you want uh, do you want to start this in the evening? What uh, what time are we going well, to uh, start this? Soon? We'll gather uh, between 6 and 6.30 and, you know, socialize and explore the ground and, you know, put their whatever they brought to the feast down on the feasting table and, you know, appreciate the, the sights of the pool and, the you know, the garden. And um, um, and then at 7, I want to start right on time. I want us to gather uh, there on the far side of the of the bridge and get ready, you know, all of us in our in our attire, you know, hopefully uh, bright colors. And Fred and Svetlana were great for assigning colors to each of the seasonal ceremonies. So for this one, it's hot pink and uh, what was it, aqua green or aqua blue green. So um, yeah. that was turquoise. Turquoise is the description of the color I'm trying to think of. Yeah. And so those two colors together. Now, how many people have robes of those colors? Probably not very many. Uh, well, but, I'd you say know, they're probably not very many. I, I have, as you know, we have a number of... Uh, we have a number of different colored robes, and so we can. Uh, I think that whatever whatever people don't bring, I think we can probably fill in. And they're, they're this, we're not masking for this, and so that that will, uh, you know, that'll that'll make it. Uh, you know, we can mask if you want to. I got plenty of theatrical masks. But you know, uh, if people anyway, want to wear masks, they're certainly welcome to. But I think, uh, you know, it, it's really up to the individual. I, I don't. I'm not aware of anybody planning on doing any filming or anything like that. And so um, as far as I'm concerned, if people want to wear masks, yeah. they're certainly welcome to, but they're, it's not required. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, uh, so this pretty much uh, gives us an idea of what's going to go on. And then you said, and then you wanted me to ask you, uh, what else is Fair Faria doing these days? And uh, and then, then you, you, you were going to tell us that you were dreaming about getting some wild land. And uh, so, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about what Fair Fairy is up to, uh, other than uh, this, this particular ceremony? Go ahead. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah. You know, we've been wanting we've been wanting to get some wild land for a long time, you know, just to have Fair Fairy and retreats and that kind of thing. Um, and there's always this, you know, it's like, can we get something that's the right piece of land, you know? And you know, and of course, there's always the financial aspect to it. Um, but we're, you know, we're trying to identify there's a particular place in mind that we may be able to get. And so we're, you know, crossing our fingers on that. Um, and, you know, as far as 
what do we do there? Well, obviously we'll do fairfaring retreats, and if people want to do fairfaring, you know, rituals, belting, almost, you know, Samhain's or whatever, we yeah. can do those. But, um, uh, you know, there's this thing I wanted to mention because I just think it's such a great concept called forest bathing. Apparently forest bathing is something that is actually um, done in, in Japan. People go out and just, you know, they bathe themselves yeah. in the forest. I guess it would be like you lie down and, in the forest. And, and, and then, they got, then they get the, and they got a forest in Japan that that uh, people go into and don't come out of, and that that's uh, that's not very good. But no, uh, we're anyway, not going to have that problem. Forest. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not going to have that problem. All right. Now you you uh, uh, you you hey, you you you're doing your book, celebrate wilderness, magic, mirth, and love on the Ferrofarian path. And we talked before in this on this show uh, about your new book, the Green Pulse Oracle. Now. Uh, how are these books coming along? Um, well, uh, Celebrate Wildness is, is done and available on our website, um, uh, loaded with Fred's fabulous art, and, you know, it's a great introduction to Fair Faria for <laughs> so on. Um, and then as far as the Green Pulse, the Green Pulse Oracle, um, I've got a new title, at least the working title right now, um, which is called Earth's Green Pulse, a Celtic Oracle of the Season. And this is... Um, fairly complete. Um, I'm, you know, I have this idea that maybe a publisher would jump on it, um, and then my experience was that they loved it, but didn't really jump on it for basically because we had it set up as being an oracle for these wooden tokens as leaves that are shape leaves that have spread symbols on them for the different 24 symbols um, derived from the Irish poem alphabet as a natural system. Um, um, system with dependent on these 24 symbols, um, they could relate, there's the extra leap your day and the day out of time, but the 22 related to the 22 major arcana of the tarot. And um, that was, is a great system. And I like that book. I like the way it is. I kind of wish they had published it as it was, but at the same time, as I kept using the system as an oracle, I realized that it, it needed, I thought, a little more depth. And I'm looking at, I'm thinking, well, maybe there's a way that the minor arcana of the tarot, of which, of which there are 56, which is the court cards from the 1 through, or 8 through uh, 10, um, um, those ones, um, I wanted to see if they would fit onto the same symbol system, which is the Ennea sphere. It's the main symbol that ties everything together with this system. Um, Ennea means nine, and it's um, composed of eight spheres for the visible planet, including the sun, moon, and earth. Um, there's a central sphere for the center of the galaxy or universe, so that's a total of nine. And um, the, the inner sphere correlates the wheel of the year, the directions, the seasons, the elements, and the members of the divine family, right? The, the divine daughter, the Kori Kuros, the, you know, the father god and the uh, mother goddess. Um, so each of those has their own season. Uh, but it turned out that Fred Adams, who founded, as we know, Ferraferia and designed these green pulse symbols, he had already found the correlation to the six minor arcana on the NS here, um, and they actually make sense. Um, one of each of those four court card, cards would represent one of the, each of the seasons. So that, uh, as an example, the Queen of Cups represents winter and the water element. The King of Swords represents summer and the fire element. And so each of the remaining 52 cards represents a week in the year and a path, a relationship between the two of the different planets that I mentioned before. So there are eight planetary spheres, each one is related to seven other spheres, seven relationships times eight planets equals 56, and then you subtract four, one, one for each of the, the father, the mother, the son, the daughter, and that leaves you with two cards that exactly fit onto the relationship. 
past the being history. So, so what, do you have, do you, yeah, do you have, do you, can you give us any idea? And right now you, 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 you don't have a publisher for sure, right? No, I've got a publisher that I've submitted this to, this part two, what I'm calling part two, which is where you get into a divination system where it's like part one still exists exactly as it was before. If you want to go more deeply, it's like having in your I Ching, you've got two books, right? And then there's a third section. Yeah. It's like that. There's a second part where if you want to go more deeply and get a more in-depth reading, you can combine the insights of the full tarot and the Celtic Oem and the seasons and the zodiac all correlated on the hemisphere. And we are going to have some fun with that on Sunday morning um, over there at Rivendell. Uh, we will do a physical divination. I have a very large version of the Enneasphere on um, like a picture the size of a, a, bed, a bedspread, like bed, a bedspread size Enneasphere. And we will literally walk the Enneasphere to get our divination. That'll be fun. It's kind of like dancing, really. We'll be dancing out our divinations. Well, we hope you. We hope we're, we're really, really hoping we'll get this out and get it available to people because, because I know number and everybody who's seen it and experienced it, worked with it, it is just really is, is is anxious to to get it out. So we'll all encourage you to do that. Uh, now, uh, you want to give us some uh, some contact information on Paraphernalia and the Paraphernalia um, yeah. website, etc. I think you already mentioned that we've got our big Ferraferia website, um, ferraferia.org, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A. Um, it has well over 100 articles, many, many photos, it, you know, actual rituals, descriptions of rituals, um, <clears throat> you know, poetic writings, um, video, like links to videos, that kind of thing. Um, people can email us through the website. It's um, ferraferia.org is the only place where people can get our DVD and booklet called Dancing with Gaia, which was inspired by Ferraferia, um, my Celebrate Wildness book, too. Um, there's a new link on the site for my 1973 film um, about Ferraferia called A Dance for the Goddess, which is now um, available for you to see on YouTube. It's a 16-millimeter uh, film back in the 70s, uh, 18 minutes long, and it connects the Ferraferian ritual sacred year with wilderness going through its seasonal changes, and it actually shows Ferraferian uh, seasonal rites um, for the solstice equinoxes. I, I limited it to that because uh, of the general overwhelm of trying to do eight rituals. So I did four, but um, it has, you know, some technical problems in such an old film. But it does show Fair Fairy when Red and Svetlana were in their prime, and uh, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I I hope people uh, go on the website and click the link and have a look at it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's great. I want them to. And anyway. Uh... We'll see you. You'll 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 be rolling into Rivendell tomorrow about what time? Um, well, five five to five thirty, depending on how long it takes us to go shopping. <laughs> but, yeah, um, well, plane, anyway. I think our plane sets down around um, you know four or something like that, so it, it it shouldn't be too long. We'll be there. Okay, well, we'll be looking forward to it, and and uh, I know that that uh, those that are you know that are going to attend will be looking forward to it too, and. Uh, and let's let's plan on having you back next week on the Hermetic Hour to sort of uh, have a reprise on this, and and uh, and perhaps uh, uh, talk about some more uh, some more uh, uh, things that interesting that Perry has coming up, and uh, and that we have coming up, and uh, oh, uh, oh. so uh, we'll yes oh. what question is it okay if I mention this? I think that it would be really um, cool if anybody has listened to this show and thinks that they have a question about the material that we covered in this show or about how the actual ritual went, 
or any aspect of it, they can actually write to farafaria at earthlink.net, and I will be happy to answer the questions on the show. Well, that, yeah, that's good, but uh, yeah, yeah, in the meantime, between now and next week, because we'd rather not have them call in cold. No, no, uh, that's I'm just so, 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 yeah, so, but, yeah, you're right. Right, yeah, yeah. Email email you at uh at uh fairfaria dot org and and uh and ask questions and, and then we can answer, you can answer them on the show next week. So that sounds good, uh ladies lady Joe. I'll see you and John uh then uh tomorrow around five thirty and uh hopefully I'll have the place cleaned up and, and, and by that time and uh you know and and anyway, it's been delightful having you on, and we'll see you again, and uh, uh, we'll be back next week on this show. And meanwhile, good magic. Good magic. <laughs>